Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of, well, actually, I don't know what the hell this is. This is not the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast, but you're listening to Michael Montero of Montero on Boxing, of course, Ring Magazine, Boxing Monthly, every, everywhere else. And I am joined by two very, very special guests for a special chat. The world is ending. It's the toilet paper apocalypse. Coronavirus virus is going to kill us all. So I figure, what the hell? Let's just have a Friday chat about the heavyweight division and two of my favorite guys on my one of my favorite boxing podcasts. I don't listen to many of them. There's about seven billion of them right now. One of the best in the world, the boxing rant. Kenny Keith, Vince Cummings. What's up, guys? How you doing? Yo. Yo, Mickey <laughs> Sticks. How you doing, brother? <laughs> <laughs> Old school. For those of you who don't know. Uh yeah, I used to be called Mikey Sticks back in my uh, non-tax paying days. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> holy shit, bro. That's bringing it back about 20 years. I love it. So, uh, look, everybody listening, I want you to be prepared. We're going to have some fun tonight because it's been a really depressing, shitty fucking week, okay? The markets are down. Everyone's 401K is in the shitter. Everything's so damn political on Twitter right now. I figured all these fights are getting canceled. It's as good a time as any to have a real serious talk about the heavyweight division, the state. <laughs> of the current division. And I think Kenny and Vince, you guys see it a lot the way, the same way I do that. I think it's a little overrated right now. There's some good stuff, but there's also some hyperbole, right? Do you, is that the way you guys see it? Yeah. I mean, right now I, I look at it like this, man. I grew up through the nineties and when the heavyweight division was, was it seemed like it was more special back then. And I don't know if it's because, we had more devastating punchers. And the fights seemed to have just a just a bigger feel to them than they do now. I almost feel like today's heavyweight division is like they've kind of forced it back into the forefront, or they're trying to, anyways, force it into the forefront of boxing again. Because when the heavyweight division is big, boxing as a whole, you know, it, it's kind of a trickle down from there. Right. But you know, you think about some of those guys that that from the nineties that were, you know, like the middle of the road guys, like the, the razor Ruddocks and, 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 and Ray Mercer's who all, you know, were champions at one time with Mercer and Ruddock competed uh, against the best in the world. And, and, and the, and the Morris and the, those guys just had like, whenever you tuned in for a fight back then, you knew like there, there's going to be some, some devastating punching going on. And this is not going to end pretty for somebody. And now in today's heavyweight division, I just some of these guys are really good. Don't get me wrong. And and there's been some amazing action. So I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon here, but some of it seems forced, in my opinion. Yeah, forced is a is a is a nice way to put it. I mean, you got guys out there that look like me running around naked. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I mean honestly and truthfully, um, I don't remember in the in the glory days of you know nineties you know, late 80s, early 90s, throughout the whole 90s, heavyweight boxing. Um, you know, I mean, I remember Butterbean, but I don't remember five Butterbeans. Right. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really difficult, you know, for me personally to take some of these guys serious that are literally just showing up for paychecks. I mean, that's great. There's some natural athleticism um, in the guy. And, I, you know, I'm speaking mostly, you know, mostly about the – you know, the Andy Ruiz's and the Adam Kalnackis of the world where, 
you got these guys that, you know, they could throw a punch. They're tough as hell. They'd be a, uh, the exact guy that you want on your side in a bar fight. Um, <clears throat> but if you show up to the ring in like a, in a sloppy fat 275 to 300 pounds, yeah, you can land a Hail Mary punch, but that's not sustainable. You know, you, you got guys that, you know, Tyson Fury has been on, you know, sort of this, this teeter-totter through his career. Um, you know, the games that he's played, the things that he's put himself through, the trials and tribulations, whatever. Um, he finally got it all together in this last fight against Wilder. You know, for all the hate on Wilder and all the stupid things that he said recently, Wilder shows up to the fight game in shape. The guy is ripped, shredded, serious. Like, he trains. He takes the game seriously. I just think that there is this huge dichotomy in today's heavyweight division of guys that are just, like, licking their chops to get a piece of these overinflated purses. Right. And then you got some guys that are legit and that are taking it seriously. And, you know, and those are the guys that, at the end of the day, are rising to the top. Yeah, you guys hit on a bunch of stuff that I want to uh... – to get into, to dive into a little deeper, but just quickly, the level set, uh, you know, I, I want to go back to your guys show real quick, the boxing rant. And one of the, one of the reasons why I love it is you guys come at it from a fan perspective, right? You make it very, very clear that you guys are not media, but you guys have been fans of the sport forever. And unlike a lot of people doing podcasts, whether they be quote unquote media or fans or whatever, you guys actually spend your fucking money. You guys go to events, you buy tickets, you buy the pay-per-views, you buy the DAZN subscriptions and all that. So you give the point of view from that demo. And I think that's why it's so important that people in the boxing industry listen to shows like yours. And I love that you're not uh, beholden to any legitimate, you know, quote-unquote media platform. So you can go balls deep. On this shit, right? When most of the boxing press is afraid to put the fucking tip in, you guys go balls deep. I love that. I pride myself on going mid shaft, but even I gotta like <laughs> I gotta pull it back a little bit. I go mid shaft. I'll, I'll give half the shaft, but you guys can go balls deep, and I love that. Uh, so I just wanted to get that out there. And by the way, for those of you watching on YouTube or listening on Spreaker Live, and you're wondering why the hell my voice sounds like half a mongoloid, I just had dental surgery today. Uh, I actually have stitches on my tongue right now. Here, if you look on my uh, elbow, you see where they put the IV in here. Where I got the anesthesia. They had to put me to sleep. So I'm doped up on painkillers. I'm out of my mind right now. So ignore my voice if it sounds a little funny. But, um, okay, you guys brought up the 90s, okay? And the 90s was the last really, really good to great, however you want to rate it, heavyweight era. Let's call that the Lennox Lewis era, right? Because he was the guy from the mid-90s to the early 2000s. And a lot of the American fight press and the general sports media, the mainstream sports media, considered that a very good heavyweight era. And then it was followed for a few years. Vitaly and, and Lennox Lewis fought in 2003. And... Lennox retired after that. There was a brief couple of years there where it was like no man's land. Vitaly briefly kind of was seen as the guy, but never really solidified that. I mean, honestly, after Lennox Lewis fight, Vitaly beat Kirk Johnson, Corey Sanders, and Danny Williams. And then he retired from 2004 to 2008. The guy that took over was Vladimir Klitschko, right? He owned a division from like 2005 to 2015. And that era whether you want to call it the Vladimir Klitschko era, the Klitschko era, or the Eastern European era, 
What were the words used for that era by the American fight press? Boring, unathletic, um, pale. <laughs> Those were, <laughs> you know, let's be honest. Let's just step in it here. There were no black American stars, right? There were some, but they weren't the Deontay Wilder type. If you look at this current era, Deontay Wilder is a straight out of central casting. You guys said it. He's in shape. He's ripped. He's, he's trash talking. He's American bred. And he lives up to that stereotype of what I would say the American public thinks in their mind a heavyweight boxer is supposed to look like. He is the Mr. T character in Rocky Three, right? And if you look at every era of heavyweight boxing, you had that guy. You had the Mike Tyson, the Sonya Liston, whoever it was. And now that's Deontay Wilder. Is he the reason now, or is it more than that, that this era is is called uh, – Joe Tessitore just a, about a week ago on uh, Steve Kim and Mario Lopez and their podcast said that we are entering a new golden era of heavyweight boxing. I mean, do you guys yeah, – yeah, what is it? What is it with this era compared to the previous era? Because the last <laughs> era was called the worst era in heavyweight boxing, which is bullshit. It wasn't. That was hyperbole. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as golden era or or or, or coming into a golden age of the heavyweight golden division. shower, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a couple, you know, decent fights. I think one of the things that has carried kind of heavyweight boxing is as two of the top three fighters, in my opinion, that are from the UK and the kind of rise of the UK. Uh, boxing scene has become now it's 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 more like you look at it back in the day and the uk boxing scene was kind of disrespected by american fight fans for a long time and now it's kind of it's it well now it's kind of dying again because not much going on at least not as much as there was two or three years ago they've kind of moved their bigger fighters have moved here eddie hearns brought his business to america but i think that kind of has something to do with it because it's it's become a little bit more globally respected by american fight fans but golden age yeah i i i can't say that there's a possibility if the fights get made and and they they wind up being good fights but i look at it right now like there's there's kind of there's three tiers in the heavyweight division right now you got like your your tier one with with Fury and AJ and Wilder. Those are the, the, the stars of the heavyweight division. And you got your, your tier two, your, your white Ruiz, uh, Parker, you can put Usyk in there, even though he hasn't proven himself just yet. I think that's probably, you know, where he stands right now with the possibility to, to climb into tier one. And then you got the Dubois, the Joyce, uh, Chisora, Povetkin, Ortiz, uh, Michael Hunter, uh, so there's like, and there's a, I think there's a, there's kind of a big gap between like the depth was, was a lot more uh, like in the nineties, the depth was a lot better at the top oh, yeah. than it is right now. And, and I just like, I, it has the possibility to be the gold age or, or, or the rise of the heavyweight division again. But I think it's over, like that's overstated big time right now. Yeah, I think, you know, to kind of go off of what, what Vin's saying, I mean, I think it all starts with no disrespect to to Joe Tessitore, but let's be honest, the guy's got a product to sell. Right. You know what I mean? Like, 
he's 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 the forever spokesman. I mean, any any guy that talks in permanent guy smiley voice, um, you know, I mean, they're always they're, they're you know they're always pushing a bit. They're always pushing something to sell. I mean, it's the same guy that said that um, that Wilder Fury two was going to do you know over four point seven million pay per view buys. Right, so right. I mean, you know what I mean. As far as a golden era, I think it's I think it's just fine. I know I've seen some of the comments here on on YouTube that we're not that high on the era. It's not that. I think that everybody just kind of like needs to like step back and put their put their pom poms away and and uh, you know come out of their their corners that they're embedded in and take a objective look at the situation. I mean, yeah, there's potential here got real star power, man. I mean, I think Tyson Fury with this win over Deontay Wilder, you know, firmly nestled himself, if not above, if not just above, right, you know, he just pulled up a chair right next to Canelo's throne um, as far as the biggest star in boxing is concerned. And so you take that, you know, with all all the craziness and shenanigans that are going on with with Deontay Wilder right now, I mean, it's it's not – you know, people aren't like tuning out. Like it's it's weird, but it's kind of I want to see some more. Like it's kind of like walking in on your parents fucking. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, that's kind of fucking weird. You know what I mean? Like, but what is that? You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Um, I want to see more. I'm strangely intrigued. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, but not really. Uh, <laughs> we all take off running with our hair on fire, but the uh, you know you, you know the point is. Um, that you know, look, these guys have—they're intriguing. I have a problem with with the Dillian Whites of the world, right? The the the, the fucking woe is me. Like, like this guy's like some victim of of fucking UCAD. If you allow yourself to be a victim of fucking UCAD, go punch yourself in the dick. Like seriously, that is one of the like that UCAD's that may work know. on the on the island, but here and anybody that knows about. UCAD and their reputation, it's like, shut up, dude. Like, UCAD didn't make you eat all those fucking mashed potatoes and come into the ring against Marius Wach looking like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Like, I don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I know you guys – that brings me to another subject uh, that I wanted to hit on because uh, Dillian White, I know you guys were really pissed off that we rated him above Deontay Wilder at at ring. And uh, you guys aren't alone. A lot of people were pissed off. And – some of it was, you know, people were complaining, well, Dillian White has a history of performance-enhancing drugs. My response to that is, well, so does Tyson Fury, so does Luis Ortiz, so does Alexander Povetkin. Uh, several of these, who am I forgetting? There's another guy in the top 10 right now that has a history of performance-enhancing drugs, I think. But several of them do. So if that's going to be the standard, we can't rate, a, a, we can't rate half the fucking division. But I will say this. The reason why, and I just want to clarify, the reason why at ring we decided to put White right now temporarily above Wilder is right now you got Tyson Fury is the the one guy in the division without a loss at the top. And then you have several guys with one loss, that second tier, right? Uh, Wilder, AJ, you know, right below Tyson Fury. And when you look at Dillian White and you look at just his wins, the guys he's fought and beat, I don't think there's any argument. He's beat better fighters than Deontay Wilder. 
Has he looked inconsistent? Has he looked like shit at times? Does he fight down to the level of his opposition? Or maybe is it that when he fights clean, he looks like shit? And when he fights dirty, he looks good? Maybe that's it. But he has better wins than Deontay Wilder. At the same time, though, that doesn't necessarily mean we think Deontay Wilder, or Dillian White's a better fighter than Deontay Wilder. It's just right now at the moment, White's got the better wins, and his loss wasn't as bad as Wilder's loss. Most of us feel Wilder really should have two losses. It's kind of like, if you guys remember when Carlos Baldemir beat Zab Judah, and he was briefly the lineal ring welterweight champion. No one in their right mind thought Carlos Baldemir was uh, a top five welterweight. But that for a brief moment, he technically was the champ, and that's why we rated him there. So I know you guys are really mad at that. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that. But I agree with you with Dillian White. And I agree with you with UCAD. UCAD's an absolute fucking joke. And the situation with Dillian White, UCAD, the WBC, uh, that whole mess right there with Deontay Wilder, who hadn't fought a mandatory for ages. And then he ices Dominic Brazil, who didn't deserve the mandatory status. I thought that was a big mess. But... What do you guys think about my notion or my idea that Deontay Wilder, who deserves a lot of credit because he is a clean fighter, he does show up in shape, he's never failed a drug test, he's never quit, for all of his flaws in and out of the ring, I think that he is a big part of the reemergence of the heavyweight division in the eyes of middle America, who I call Joe Sixpack and the casual sports media. This guy does trend with certain audiences that couldn't give a flying fuck to watch the Klitschko brothers. Is there a oh. racial element to it? Is it more than just he's American? Or is there that racial dynamic that Deontay plays into and his fan base eats up, is there an element of that there? I, I, I would say absolutely there is. And, and I mean, if you want to be and honest to the point about it. I mean, there is no white fighters that exist. Who's the best white American fighter in the world? Caleb Plant? I mean, there's just nobody out there. So uh, even, even as a white boxing fan, it's always, for me, at least in my lifetime, it's always been the black American fighter that has drawn me to the sport. I mean, every, every once in a while we get a, we get a, a brief uh, period with a, with a great white hope that lasts maybe a few years, like the Kelly Pavlik run for a little bit. But it, it, it really, honestly, it, it's when there's a, a truly great American fighter, they are 99% of the time a black American fighter. Those are the guys that drive the sport in this country still. So when they, when they present themselves at the top of the sport and as being one of, you know, some of the best fighters in the world, they still drive the sport here. I'm one of the people that thinks, and I know some, a lot of people don't agree with this and won't agree with this. But I think in this country, anyways, Canelo Alvarez's star power uh, uh, um, outside of the Mexican American boxing community yes. is, is, is severely overrated. And I, and I think we've kind of seen a little bit of that, with his move to the zone and them kind of expecting that to just be the guy that brings everything to the forefront for them. It just, to me, it's, 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 it's completely overstated. And 
it's it's the American black fighter that drives the sport still in this country. And when it's and when it's a, an exciting knockout artist heavyweight like Deontay Wilder is, that it's a that's a no doubt a no brainer that that brings everybody to the table. At least that's the way I see. It. I I don't know how you, how you or Ken see it, but I, I just think it's the it's always the exciting black American fighter that still drives the sport in this country. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that, that if there's one thing that, that, that is appealing, um, you know, outside of obviously like the top heavy star power in the heavyweight division, there are some young guys to get excited about. Dude, this is as diverse a time as there's ever been in the, in the top 10, 15 heavyweights in the world. I mean, you got, you got, uh, white a white champion you got a black british champion you got a black american star you got uh a, a maori former heavyweight champion from new zealand a russian a mexican american a cuban i mean dude this is the the code of many colors you know what i'm saying like like this is an era now where like like playing all these cards and making all this like like everybody picking sides it's like I guess everybody has somebody that they can get behind if that's the kind of, you know, if that's the kind of fandom that they have. Me personally, I've always been a fan of the fighters and fighting styles that intrigue me the most. I mean, is it great for a certain a certain segment of the of the of the boxing fandom and viewing public that that Wilder is as enigmatic as he is? Yeah, I mean that's fantastic and it brings more more eyes from another another spectrum. Um, into the fight game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But for me, it doesn't matter. I mean, he could be whatever. I mean, right. you know, like these, like you can be from any country. You can be from, um, I mean, like you just look at our pound for pound list that we did at the new year. I mean, you got Japanese, right. American, Ukrainian, you know what I mean? Kazakhs, uh, Hispanics of I mean, different race, not, you know, like white exactly. Hispanics, mestizo <laughs> Hispanics, like different races of Hispanic. It's all over the place. Right. And, 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 you know, and just to like, and just to finish this thought, you know, the bottom line is, man, this is just like the era that we live in, everything is so identity politic driven. It kind of makes me fucking nauseous, man. I just want to sit back and watch right. the damn fights and I don't care. I don't care who's good or not, man. You know, like, I mean, like where you're from or not, I just want to see the best fighters in the ring in the best fights. And if, if, if that's what the, if that's what they're able to do, and the heavyweight division has been able to deliver on that a little bit um, recently, and we've had some big moments here in the last two years, then shit, man, I, you could be from fucking Madagascar. I don't give a shit as long as you can fight. Well, that's how I feel. I know that's how you guys feel. We get accused of feeling other ways. You know, people like to label us because of uh, our outspoken nature. Uh, but the reality is, diehard fight fans don't give a shit what color a guy is, what part of the world he's from, any of that. But we have to be honest. When you saw the reaction when Tyson Fury didn't just beat Deontay Wilder, the way he beat him, the way Deontay Wilder lost, I didn't realize how racialized that fight was in the eyes of so many fans. But you saw it in the aftermath. And I mean, it's still going with the Glovegate stuff and I'm just going to call some of these guys out, the Fred Hawthorns. I mean, these guys are fringe elements, right? Matt Hunters. These guys are fringe element. They're not legitimate fight press, but they do represent a certain amount of the fan base that's out there uh, that 
for whatever reason, Deontay Wilder's been able to tap into, for better or worse, that has made him a fuck ton of money. It's what Floyd Mayweather tapped into. And I just wonder if that's part of why this division is seen by in the eyes of casual fans. When I talk about casual fans, I'm talking about, like, I, I know fans, uh, you, friends who are UFC fans who rarely ever watch boxing, and they all bought the Wilder Fury rematch. They were all in on that. So it did cross over, or they streamed it for free. Uh, it crossed over in that regard, and I do think that's a good thing. But let me ask you guys this. Deontay Wilder losing that fight. If he loses the third fight in a similar way, what does that do for him and his fan base and everything else? What happens? Well, first of all, I think the fact that that his fans put that much into it and take it to that that racial level as far as that fight, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy to feel like he has the backs of an entire race on him as he steps in the ring. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. At the end of the day, it's a goddamn, it's a, it's a boxing match. Right. It's to prove who it's a prove who's the better fighter, not who's like the superior, like the winners now prove they're the superior race. It's, it's just ridiculous. The type of pressure that gets put on the man for that. Now, if he loses that third fight in the same fashion, I, like based on the reaction that some of these guys had after the second fight, I you know that some of this shit was just the most unhinged, ridiculous, it was bizarre nonsense. I, yeah, it's it it went to the point where it's like, is this the fucking Twilight Zone? Like where where am I fucking living here? This is this is not that big. like it. They're making it something that it is that is completely is not. And and, and honestly, look, if Deontay Wilder loses that third fight. I, it, it's going to hurt his career seriously. You know, I, I, he's got to do a serious rebuild at that point, and he's going to have made a ton of money after that third fight. And he's forget D.A. Wilder is already thirty-five years old, so right. he's not he's not a young man in the heavyweight division right now. So he's going to make a he just made a shit ton of money. He's going to make even more in the third fight probably. So if he takes another beating, who's to say that he just doesn't say? Look, I had my run. I made my money. I, you know, I, I got nothing left to prove here. But the, he, he would be leaving a lot of money on the table, too, because I still think, whether he loses or not, I still think a Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua fight is huge. So it, there's still money to be made. There's still big fights to, for him to make out there. But I, as far as it being devastating for his career, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying devastating, but it will be definitely be time to rebuild Take a step back, go get you a Adam Cal Smacky, go back into the PBC, right, beat up yeah. a couple of those guys before you, you know, you, you try to make that rise back to the top again. But the clock is ticking. One way or the, I mean, that's the only way you got to look at it. When you're Deontay Wilder or you're a Deontay Wilder fan, he's going to be 36 years old soon. The clock is ticking. Yeah, I th- dude, I mean, as far as the fan base goes, you know, I mean, I, you know, I don't even, I don't even really know that a lot of these guys exist except for when people start retweeting it out. And, and, and it's pretty funny, man. It's like, I would definitely like wherever these guys are located at, I would definitely like call the local authorities and make sure that they're like standing on like the, the railings of all the major bridges over waterways. Like, <laughs> cause there may be, 
there may be a run and jump situation. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like, like it, it could be like utter meltdown mode. I will give him, we'll give him this, his fan base, this, they are fucking creative conspiracy theorists. There's no doubt about that. I've seen some really off the wall, clever sort of like Mel Gibson would have totally appreciated his character <laughs> from, from conspiracy theory would have absolutely loved some of this shit. But, um, you know, as far as as far as Wilder's career goes, I mean, it's as long as he wants to take it. There's some there's some easy layups in the PBC and the heavyweight division. Guys that just don't have the experience that Wilder has that he could just mow through. You know, he don't have to do nothing. We've seen it. We saw we saw it on the rise of Wilder, right? We saw him just sit on his back foot and wait for these dudes to make a mistake, and then he knocks them out. He didn't have to box, so you know, I mean, if he wants to go go back to like say he loses to to Fury, whether it's a bad loss or not, okay? And he can, he can just go, go back to the cozy confines and get his, you know, four or $5 million paydays. And right. he may not be making 20, 20, you know, 20, 25, 30 anymore, but he can do that as long as he was, as long as his hands hold up, because I know he's had hand problems in his career. But, you know, as far as the, you know, the, you know, the king will rise again. Like, <laughs> your, your king is here. That was so you know, weird, like man. Like that. Yeah, like that, like the that alter ego, the bronze bomber alter ego that he's created. Um, I think that if he loses in embarrassing fashion again, um, I think that it's time to hang up that alter ego and just uh, go in there and collect a couple farewell checks at that point. Yeah, I mean, the cow's snacky, as you say, he'd be there and those kind of guys. Uh, with, with the PBC, I mean, you look at it, man, they've had a, a rough few months. I mean, uh, Andy Ruiz getting completely shut out by AJ, and then uh, Wilder losing bad, Kavnaski losing the way he just did. Uh, there's a I, come I on, want, Mike. That's not how you pronounce it. How the hell do you pronounce? <laughs> I have no idea how you pronounce. By the way, I'm wearing a Polska shirt in memoriam of Kavnaski's uh, boxing career because that that was rough. I that was just that's a rough loss. Lose it to a guy that got knocked out by Gerald Washington. Oh, you know what? You know, we, actually, we have a call here. Let me. For those of you watching and you want to get on here and talk to the guys, you see the number behind me right here on the screen, uh, 213-287-7787. And then those of you in the U.K., it's kind of late for you guys. It's Saturday morning already almost. But if you want to call in, go ahead. I'm going to jump and take one call here. Let's see if I can uh, conference you in. <laughs> Five five nine. You're on the show. Go. Is this is this Mike? This is Mike with Kenny and Vince. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? It's me, your boy Miguel. Uh, pro professional heavyweight boxer. Just started this shit out. Hey, what's and, up, Miguel? Uh, fun, How you doing, man? Fun, fun, Hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. First of all, I want to tell you uh, how much appreciation us as uh, fighters and fans we have for you know raw and real info because man like the last guys are saying there's some crazy shit out there mike (laughs) (laughs) thank you for saying that man i appreciate it yeah um you know i just wanted to touch down on what they were saying uh, about fury and all the all the heavyweights you know personally me you know being a pro myself the the worst thing that you can have in the ring especially heavyweight you know because a lot of heavyweights don't really move a lot. Is a guy moving around that doesn't stop, just jabbing and outpointing the shit at you, man. And honestly, 
I seen it with good school, not the mobility, but just the technique wise, the old school Emmanuel Stewart, pugilist type style, you know, the the left right, the old school Lennox Lewis type knockout. That lasted forever, but guess who stopped it? Fury did, you know, and, and him being wilder the way he did. I mean, I was even telling my fiance, I was like, I seen him winning oh, with a unanimous decision, but I didn't, nobody seen that the TKO that early, especially coming from uh, Fury, you know, coming in that heavy, especially the way he did. And like you said, that old school crunk, crunk, Detroit crunk gym uh, type type uh, uh, boxing work. And he was right. And, and me personally, I just see him being dominant. I mean, I see him. I see him defending his belt, keeping it for a good, for at least the next few years. I don't see him getting beat, man. Who who else is gonna, who else is gonna get close to 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 beating him? Uh, other than Wilder, Wilder got demolished in the rematch. If you think about it, the supposedly strongest puncher in the last uh, thirty years or so, or in the no, history no, of boxing. Str- strongest puncher in the history of boxing. If, if we're yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, all, all the, yeah. Uh, we'll be getting I wish I, I wish I wish you wouldn't get copyrighted and sued if you use the Joe Tessator soundbite. But man, this is time we need. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get some. <laughs> Miguel, actually, you brought up a good point that I wanted to bring up to Kenny and Vince. So I'm going to let you off the line, bro. I appreciate you calling, but I'm going to bring up your point about Tyson Fury reigning from this point out. Uh, appreciate the call, bro. Have a good night. All right. Say hi to the lady. For God me. bless you, Mike. God bless. God bless the world, Mike. Be safe. Everyone be safe and wash your hands. Yeah, that's right, damn it. Wash your damn hands, people. All right, Miguel. Thanks <laughs> Bye, a lot, Mike. Man. Love you, man. Peace out. Peace. All right, guys. Uh, Kenny, Vince. Uh, you know, Miguel hit on something there. And Tyson Fury does seem to be the guy that could reign for the next few years, right? But then at the same time, he says, now I got one, two fights, and I'm out. What do you guys think about that? Do you think he's going to hang around? Or do you think he really is after Wilder? Let's say he beats Wilder. Do you think we get a fight between him and AJ and then it's peace out? Or do you think he'll be enticed to stick around? Well, with the, with the amount of money on the table, I, I don't know how you don't stick around for at least an AJ fight afterwards. But but Fury's a, he's a, he's a different cat, man. He does things his own way. And like we saw uh, after the, the, Klitschko, the first Klitschko fight, he did. He can fall off at any point in time. The guy's, you know, he's a yeah. fragile guy, and 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 to expect him to to stick around and like what we learned about Fury was at least what I thought after the Klitschko fight was he's a guy that did really well, you know, on his way to the top. But then once he got to the top of the mountain and planted that flag, it was almost like he got bored with it, and then that's that's that wasn't his thing. And he's like, I don't, just, I, don't I got nothing left to prove here. Who I need to prove anymore? I, I did what I set out to do. I, I honestly believe in the back of my mind that he's one of these guys that's just like I don't need to prove anything to myself, and I sure as shit don't need to prove anything to any boxing fan or anybody in the sport of boxing. He believes he's the best of this era already. Um, I think right now there's absolutely no questioning that. I mean, if he walked away and didn't beat AJ, and this era kind of fizzled out in, in three or four years. You would clearly have to say that that Fury is the best of this era, no doubt, hands down. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm intrigued. I know Usyk's small, but I think the boxing ability of Usyk is intriguing against Fury. I at least want to. I'd like to see it before he steps away from boxing. I'd I'd hate to, you know, for him to leave a couple good fights on the table. But really, after he beats AJ, 
And, you know, depending on what Usyk does in his upcoming fight with Chisora, if he even proves that he belongs against big punchers, um, those are those are the two fights that he needs. After that, what else does what else does he have to prove? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no there's no fight he really needs in the heavyweight division to cement himself as the best. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest with Tyson Fury, guys. I mean, he's got a track record of just fucking talking shit. So who, who knows what to believe when the guy's talking about what he's going to do? I mean, you know, he's been. I guess he's relatively you know he stayed on on narrative with this whole like i only got a few fights left um you know stuff so i guess he's been more consistent with this than he has his other you know outlandish plans um and now you know he's got he's got some fuck you money and he's he's got enough to you know call it a day and you know buy himself a you know a nice uh tow behind trailer and and <laughs> fucking right off into the right off into the sunset you know what i'm saying so like he, like I do, kind of believe him. Um, I'm with Vince in the sense of I do think that you know he is the best heavyweight of this era, but I do think that um, I think he does need the AJ fight though because yeah, even though Wilder, I mean, even though Fury's um, uh, record doesn't reflect it, he, he's he's had some some really tedious and kind of like, uh, dude, did you really look that bad against that guy in his career that's on his resume? So, you know, to me, I think he needs a, a bit more than, um, you know, beating Wilder one and a half times uh, or two and a half times if he beats him the next time. You know, like, I, I just don't – like, Usyk to me is the guy. I think that he's the guy that – and I'm just going to say it right now for all the UK listeners because it's late and y'all are probably drunk anyway, so why not just go ahead and fucking twist the knife a little bit more? <laughs> but, uh, you know, the reality of the situation is for me is that your boy Chisora is going to get embarrassed worse than your boy Bellew did. And wow. I hate to break and I hate to break it to you, your boy Bellew didn't land anything of fucking consequence before he got knocked the fuck out. So I would like to... Uh, go ahead and jump the shark here um, and say that after Chisora gets tired flailing and chasing the superior athlete around the ring, he will be stopped. The snowball will roll downhill, gain momentum, turn into a boulder, and war Chisora will be crushed forevermore. Wow. Wow. You said it here. Man, you know what? A lot of that's going to be taken as racism, Kenny, because number one, you called – I don't give a fuck. You called the Caucasian guy the superior athlete. And then you you refer to him as a snowball. What color are snowballs? They are white. Oh, shit. That's going to be a meme. Hey, hey, I'm going to go back. You know what? And then take take my famous saying and turn this into a meme. If that's what you got out of what I just said, lift up your dick and repeatedly punch yourself into the nuts (laughs) until they're pulverized. Okay. That's what you got. That's what you got out of what I just said. So, in other words, Andre wore the shit out of your own nuts. There you go. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> uh, super chat pledges from Pietro and Dougie Iglesias. Thank you so much, guys. And, uh, Douglas says, "Hey, Mike, boxing ego is a puss for blocking me on Twitter. Say it." All right. Well, I just said it. So, thank you, guys. Uh, man. Okay. I want to ask you guys. Um, let's say Tyson Fury beats 
Deontay Wilder in the third fight. I think he will. I don't know if it's going to be quite as dominant because I think Deontay is going to be a lot more defensive-minded. But either way, however he gets the W, if he beats Wilder, if he beats AJ, and then he goes on to beat Usyk. Let's say Usyk gets the WBO title eventually because uh, uh, AJ is going to get stripped of one of those titles. Usyk will win it, right? So if Fury did that, if Fury went on a run over the next 12 months and beat Wilder again, then AJ, then Usyk. Usyk is arguably the greatest, most accomplished cruiserweight of all time. And yes, I'm including Evander Holyfield in that. If he goes on that run, that alone, where does that put Tyson Fury, an an all-time great, where does it put him in the all-time great discussion? Does it? I think you'd. You got to You definitely got to Like we talked about at the start of the show, you got to keep into perspective like this. What this era actually is, you know, the depth of the division, the guys that he's beating. Like, you know, Deontay Wilder could he compete in any era? Sure, because he possesses that that one punch knockout power. But I'm not so sure he goes on anywhere near the run that he had in his career if he had come up in the '90s. There's just no way. At some point in time, he would have gotten caught. So one of those big punchers, you know, one of those big left hooks from Tommy Morrison or Razor Ruddock or, or a big right hand from Bray Mercer, whoever it would have been, they they would have they would have got him, and, and he would have he would have been taught the lesson that he was just taught by Fury at a much earlier time in his career. But if if Fury does go on that run. You, as much as you got to have, you know, you got to keep that perspective as far as historically. Um, the times have changed in boxing and I, and I think it's just across the board. It's a bit of a weaker sport. And I think that goes for almost all divisions in the sport right now. So yeah, he deserves all credit due for being the best fighter of, of this era and should probably rank, you know, amongst the top heads in the top 25 ish or something like that ever. I don't, that, those conversations are so crazy to even get involved with. But he deserves full credit for dominating an era, taking out the old king, and then beating every top fighter that 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 came his way, and coming back from what he came back from. And trust me, I have some. When it comes to Tyson Fury's hiatus from the from the heavyweight division, you know, I know there's the depression and, and the alcoholism and all of it's that. Also steroids. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a big part of it, man. And people just kind of dismiss the fact that he spent a lot of money to make sure UCAD could not nail him. And and at a, at a certain point in time, UCAD just kind of bailed. They're like, look, we're, we're, we're not wasting any more money on this. It is what it is. Here's your suspension that's retroactive. Now you can go ahead and fight again. Right. So all that kind of gets brushed under the rug. You got to keep all that in perspective, too. But no doubt he would deserve full credit for being the best heavyweight of this era and put him amongst the best heavyweights ever, but nowhere near the top. Yeah. I don't think that he's uh, that, that fury is, is anywhere near that right now. I mean, if he just rode off into the sunset to me, when we're, you know, if the coronavirus doesn't kill us all and we're able to look back on this in, in, in 30 years, Tyson Fury will just be a, a blip. He'll be a memory. He'll be a, you know, a guy that came and went, um, you know, he'll be something that is kind of like burned in our minds because, you know, we cover the, you know, we cover the sport and talk about the sport 
um, so fanatically and so intently that, you know, it'll be something that we'll talk about for sure. But he, he's going to have to go on much more of a run than what he has because his resume, come on, man. Let, I mean, it is just two fights. It, it, yeah. His resume is really, really fucking weak, man. I mean, he's, he's got the biggest wins. He's got, you know, it's, it's so lopsided. Like he's got Klitschko and Wilder and then, you know, like, that, Man, it, dog it, shit. I'm not taking. I, I, I'm not taking away his accomplishment against Klitschko. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people, and in, and I think it's a case by case basis when you start saying that, you know, well, he's the guy that pushed the old guy over the hill, kind of a thing. I think that you talked about it earlier. I think Fury's style, I think, beats Klitschko at any time. So I'm not like I don't really get into that whole. Well, Klitschko was over the hill, and he just, you know, he he had one he he had one foot you know, out on the edge and, and Fury gave him a push kind of a conversation when it comes to that. But no, Fury needs to look, Us- Usyk needs to establish himself in the heavyweight division. I, and he just needs, you know, he, he's not going to shy away from it after the Chisora fight. And if he's able to get the fights that he needs and he gets to where everybody thinks his, his ability can get him in the heavyweight division, then I think that you got to beat Joshua you gotta be well. You gotta be Wilder for a, another time. You gotta be Joshua. You gotta be be Usyk if he if he lives up to expectations. And and then if he does that, he'll cement himself as the best of the era. Then we'll look back and he'll be somewhere on the list with the greatest heavyweights of all time. With right around where Klitschko's at. I mean, on that list, right around where Vitali Klitschko is on that list. Like I, that's kind of where I see, you know, Tyson Fury at in the all time pantheon. About one hundred percent agree with Vince about come on man I mean fucking Riddick Bowe man he, he, people want to talk about boxers I think Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis I think they fucking school fury sorry hmm. yeah I, I'm with you guys in a sense that right now fury is the champ he's the guy right when he fought Wilder that was number one versus number two okay but there is no clear uh, dominant force right the last guy to do that was Vladimir Klitschko he was that guy and I think for Fury to really truly prove himself as he's got to beat AJ he's he's clearly the top guy right now but look at Deontay Wilder's resume look how flawed he was outside of his power that bailed him out he was losing to Luis Ortiz in that rematch uh pretty badly and he, man, guys like Arthur Spielka put hands on him, right? Gerald Washington won rounds against him. So he was largely unproven himself. I don't want to take anything away from that victory. But Tyson Fury beating Deontay Wilder, to me, it doesn't prove quite yet that he is the best heavyweight of this era. I think you got to have the fight. Whoever wins the third fight between Fury and Wilder, they got to fight AJ. You got to have that fucking fight. That is who's going to determine really the top dog. Um, and then from there, yeah, I agree with you. Let's see what happens with Usyk. I'm starting to wonder, the way Tyson Fury's size really became a factor in that rematch with Wilder, it just made me think, man, against Usyk. Usyk can fight backing up. Usyk can fight with angles. But over 12 rounds of a 270-pound guy who can move like that coming forward on you, I just think size is going to be a factor in that kind of matchup. I'd still love to see that fight if Usyk proves himself as a, as a good heavyweight and him and Fury end up fighting. But I think Usyk would have a very good chance against Wilder and Joshua and everybody else. I just think Fury at 270 with that crunk style, that's a problem. 
That being said, let me ask you guys this. What happens if Deontay Wilder turns the tables and beats Tyson Fury in the third fight? And not only beats him, but fucking ices him. Knocks him the fuck out. All the craziness on Twitter is going to, I think, even be amplified by his wacko fans. But other than that, what happens to the division then? I think it's busting wide open again. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing uh, if, if that's what happens and you get back-to-back devastating, you know, with a stoppage by Fury and, and, and beating Wilder, Wilder so badly and then Wilder returning and seemingly it would, we would think would be a one-punch knockout stoppage of Fury, uh, you got to have a fourth fight, right? I mean, and at that point, I think a fourth fight becomes massive. I mean, absolutely massive. And uh, AJ's, AJ's going to be a little upset because he's be left out in the cold at that point because uh, th- there's no reason that we wouldn't that they wouldn't go right into a fourth fight right away and strike while the iron's hot. I think that would that would be great for the sport of boxing if that happened uh, because I, you know there's going to be a ton of eyes on the third fight and and a devastating stoppage by Wilder just it it cracks it cracks the fucking nut wide open in the heavyweight division again and, and you know we kind of. Ruiz did that when he beat AJ uh, last year. So it, it just it, it presents a, a wide open field and it, and it allows for a lot of shit to happen. And it just leads to to the intrigue level going up for all these fights, because now we've seen every fighter in this division has a flaw. Right. You know, Fury's flaw hasn't been exposed outside of his that two year stretch where he was out of boxing and had his hiatus. So if his if if he's exposed there now we know that everybody has been exposed in the heavyweight division and it's and it's wide open anything could happen I, I think that's great for the sport and I you know I actually like I think most people think that it's kind of a formality in the third fight that that Fury's going to walk through him again I, to to put on performances like that back to back I mean as much as an unpolished boxer that Wilder is and he can't fight off the back foot. And it's going to be hard for him to make improvements in such a short period of time before this third fight. I, 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 I still, he's, we heard Fury walk across the ring after the fight and say, dude, you fucking cracked me in that first round. I felt your power in that first round. So look, it, it, it would be great for the sport. And, you know, I, I and Wilder, look, I, I don't see it happening, but I have, I'm a, I'm a bit more, I'd look at it from a bit more of the window of Wilder still got that fucking power and, and Fury could get caught at any point in time. And if that happens, I, I think the heavyweight division absolutely explodes after that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too, man. I think that Wilder, um, if he can pull it off, man, I mean, it just, it, it just, I mean, the, the fucking swings, man. I mean, could you imagine Wilder's fan base? Oh my gosh. It would be like, they'd be knocking, they'd be knocking on your door, fucking telling you about it. You know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah, I think it's, it would be amazing if Wilder was able to win it. Um, I just, you know, I just think he's so limited and sometimes, you know, if there's one, if there's one pattern in boxing, that's been, been, you know, relatively consistent is that, you know, once a guy figures a guy out and they fight, you know, enough times, um, it usually doesn't go in, in favor of the guy who has been figured out. So, you know, sticking with that trend, uh, which happens in more, in, in more, um, you know, rivalries than it doesn't, um, you know, I, I just, 
I, I see a really big uphill battle, like, you, you know, for Wilder. And, and, and listen, I'll be the first to admit it. Like, that's one thing that, you know, the casual listeners of all of our podcasts, like, they'll pop in for one episode, hear you say something, and then they'll come back, like, ten episodes later, and they think that, you know, you're not able as a human being to, like, watch what happens in front of your face and be like, okay, well, that motherfucker just proved me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was the, I, I was the first person – after after AJ got sparked by Andy Ruiz to say, you know what, man, I, you know, I totally questioned whether he had the intestinal fortitude to, because he was living that life of luxury. I just didn't see the need. Like I, I looked at a guy like him who was more concerned about like posing for Instagram photos right. than he was about, about working out in boxing. So, you know, I looked at him and I was like, I don't think he's got the heart. I really don't. And he came back. And he had some help from uh, Andy Ruiz's infatuation with Del Taco. Um, but, <laughs> Del Taco is good. You know, the, you know, the fact of the matter is, man, is that, is that he did what he had to do to beat a guy. Whether or not Andy Ruiz was prepared or not, that's, that, that's not fucking AJ's problem. He implemented the same game plan if that would have been the, the, the version of Andy Ruiz that came in and shocked the world at Madison Square Garden. So my point is, is that have the same feelings but for different reasons about Deontay Wilder remember AJ in the wake of of losing that that massive upset when Andy Ruiz was the replacement fighter and and that fight that like AJ just was like I lost man like I lost like there was no excuses he just he just wore it he was a he was a man in all of his interviews the way that Deontay Wilder is behaving in the in the in the wake of the in, in the in the way in which he lost, which wasn't unsimilar to the way that 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 Anthony Joshua lost. I mean, it's just you got to look at it and be like, man, this is like really concerning. The level of delusion and the level of just lack of reconciliation to what the reality of what took place is. Like people that were out there making all these conspiracy theories that really kind of spit in the in the face of a logical observer that knows what they saw. didn't take a rocket scientist, a diehard boxing fan, or, you know, uh, a microscope to be able to see what happened that night in the rematch between Deontay Wilder and, and Tyson Fury. So for him to be able to uh, come back from what we've seen uh, since that night and the, and, the, and the way that this has taken a toll on him psychologically, I think that that would be a fucking 30 for 30 for the, oh, for, yeah. for the ages. That'd be a huge documentary one day. I mean, just the stories and ESPN and everyone would jump all over that. I think um, one difference, though, and I think, Vince, you alluded to this, was that Deontay Wilder's fan base and some of the people in the American fight press that really are aligned with the PBC and do puff pieces over on that side, they almost have anointed Deontay Wilder as the savior of the black boxing race and that was not put on anthony joshua he was he was representing the uk and he was the heir apparent for the heavyweight division and everything but he was not supposed to go out there and represent for the black man and that's what's happened with deontay wilder some of it i will put on deontay because i i think he's a good dude underneath it all but he has played into that character and he has um fed that fan base and that pressure is going to be on him even more so in that third fight with Fury, which I'll say it again, if somehow he does beat Fury, if you thought the reaction after the rematch was crazy, the reaction after that third fight, if Wilder wins, 
it's going to shut down Twitter. It's going to be insane. I, I can't even imagine what the LDBC guys and all those people are going to say. But uh, let's see. We got a super chat pledge from Pietro. He says, Fury is a Hall of Famer right now. Well, thank you for the super chat, Pietro. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Fury's a Hall of Famer if he retired today, but I don't know, dude. I, I wouldn't vote for him first ballot Hall of Fame. I think, again, as both Kenny and Vince talked about, you know, the the 2015 win against Vladimir Klitschko, that's the same year. I'm just going to say it. The guy was using steroids. Okay, Nandrolone is not something that you get uh, from an over-the-counter supplement or whatever. The guy was doping. And he got caught by UCAD. There was no VADA testing. They Klitschko, when he found out what happened, he should have been notified before the first fight. He was furious. He demanded Vada testing for the rematch. And once that happened, Tyson Fury self-sabotaged. I mean, they're, they're, I'm playing amateur psychologist there, but it seemed to me he was doing a lot of the white girl, you know, the, the nose candy, knowing he'd pop. And that was a way out right there because – I don't know. I, I think, Kenny, you said a minute ago that Fury always beats Klitschko. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But um, So I don't know, Pietro, if he's a Hall of Famer right now. I think he's still got a little bit more work to do. But let me go to a couple calls here. I think we got a couple calls from the UK. Kenny, Vince, are you guys cool with taking a couple calls here? Absolutely, brother. All right. Guys, yeah, if you're calling in right here, I'm going to patch a couple of you in. If you got questions for Kenny and Vince, please uh, don't keep it just to me. Talk to these guys too here. They're being so kind. Thank you guys for being on my channel and doing this chat. Uh, 3538, you are on the show. Go. 3538. Yo, how's it going? How's it going? Good. Awesome. Awesome. I um, Real fast, I want to say this. Fury's not going into the Hall of Fame off of two victories. If he did, that'd be a travesty to the sport. I'm just saying that right now. Two victories and you don't go into the Hall of Fame. And then you have guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's Mark. It's Mark. But there are people who aren't in the Hall of Fame. There are people who aren't in the Hall of Fame who've gone on. Like, look at Sven Ocke. Like, sure, he's crap. But he made 20 plus title defenses and he isn't in the title in the Hall of Fame. Two wins doesn't put you there. You need to do something. You need to make a difference to get in there. It's not as simple as, oh, I beat Klitschko when I was on drugs and beat Wilder, who was unproven. Come on. Um... Now I do have I do have a question for the guys from the boxing rant because um, I, I want their take on this. Um, what like what is your thoughts on specifically when Ring Magazine made White? I know Michael touched on this when Ring Magazine White made Dillian White above Wilder in the rankings. Do you think that went against the wrong criteria because they have Lewis Ortiz number four in the rankings and Dillian White be two top ten guys? in the rankings, in Rivas in 10th and Parker in 7th, but they have uh, Wilder beat Ortiz, who's ranked 4. So they, he's got a win over a guy who's ranked number 4 twice, and I think that's a direct contradiction. If you could relay that to them, that's great, and I'll be off. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, look, I, my my problem with Billy and White, you know, being ranked above Wilder and, and making that jump was, I get it, he has more wins in the top 10, but it, like who, like Rivas is kind of, I think we overrate those wins a little bit. Like the Derek Chisors of the world, like that's, you know, they were nice wins, solid wins and, and he deserves credit for him. But to me, that's not enough to jump the guy who was at the top of the division. I get it. He did not have some of the, you know, he didn't face some of the stiffest competition to get there. 
and his two biggest wins were, uh, you know, against Luis Ortiz before that. But I, I rank, like, I put Luis Ortiz, I rank Luis Ortiz a little higher than most people because, I, you know, he was a fighter that was kind of disrespected when I think he was probably the best heavyweight in the world during Fury's hiatus and, and Wilder's rise and AJ's rise. He just never got a chance. I think if he had gotten a chance back then, he probably would have snagged the belt at some point. So I, when you bring the resume talk in, into it, for me, it's like, eh, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. I mean, there's no separation there for me. Yeah. You know, the fact, the fact that Wilder has fought Fury twice, he fought Ortiz twice, I think that at least equals Dillian White's resume. And, and I know Wilder got the shit beat out of him in this last fight. But let's not remember that Dillian was slumped over the ropes by Anthony Joshua. And then Anthony Joshua that, that, that really hadn't even come fully into his own yet as a fighter. And maybe White is the same way. But to me, it just there wasn't enough there to put him above Wilder yet. But, you know, look, people mistaked it, mistook it for me as being, like, like you said, we, I wasn't upset about it. It just, to me, it seemed like I can't believe, like, it, it came across as, like the ring made the the decision unanimously, and, and nobody no, kind of put up, put up one fight. Now okay. let, let me respond to that real quick. Just um, so we have a democratic process, and our our ratings panel it's, it's guys from all over the world, literally from several different continents, right? Uh, boxer writers from all over, and one person suggested it, and a few of us were like, "Hmm, that's a good point." Now, Mark just brought up a good point. So the guy who suggested it on the ring ratings committee talked about the wins, that White technically, if you look, has better wins against more uh, consistent opposition than Wilder does. And he's performed better in those wins. And even his loss was probably a little better because at least he hurt AJ before uh, dropping. And Wilder basically lost twice to Fury. So... All that was taken into consideration, but Mark just brought up a good point that Luis Ortiz is currently rated number four by the ring, and Deontay Wilder technically beat him twice. So technically speaking, he's got to win twice over a guy who rates higher than the guy's white beat. So that's a good point that I hadn't considered. Honestly, like I knew it'd be a decision like that was going to get some flack. It's it's honestly it's negligible. The, the gap between. Wilder and White in terms of the resume, to me, it's negligible. They're basically 2A and 2B. But I agree with you, Vince, that sometimes White looks like stir-fried shit. He looks like a fat ass, and he does have performances where he looks like hell. But Deontay Wilder looks like hell, too. The difference is he's faced softer opposition. He has better right-hand power. He's been protected more. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, it, this is something, this feedback from you guys, I definitely would take back to the committee this weekend. Uh, we can't change the rating now until these guys fight. But let's see what White does against Povetkin, another guy who has a history with performance enhancing drugs. And we'll see how it goes. With Luis Ortiz, I just don't know, dude. I wonder if Luis Ortiz gets overrated because he's Cuban. And I got to say, there was a time when the Cubans were the premier class in the amateur system. That's long gone. The Uzbeks, the Russians, uh, the Kazakhs, the Ukrainians, they are way ahead of the Cubans right now. And I just I just wonder if Luis Ortiz gets a little overrated because he is uh, a Cuban a guy from the Cuban school. 
on the world amateur stage, he never really accomplished much. Everything in his amateur career was regional and local there in Cuba. Good fighter. Good quality fighter. I just wonder if he gets a little overrated. But I'm sorry, Kenny, I, before you had a chance to respond, I butted in, man. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. No, it's all good. It's all good. I'm, 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 I'm glad you said what you said. Um, the, uh, as it pertains to Luis Ortiz, I think that there's a lot of what have you done for me lately. And, yeah, all of that is true. And even going all the way back to, like you mentioned on Twitter, to the Rio Olympics, like there's been a shift, okay? And even prior to that, there's been a shift um, in the international amateur scene to what programs are dominating the sports. We're seeing, you know, guys in their primes right now, um, you know, that come from the Ukrainian school of boxing. You know, we see it before that we saw a surge in Russian fighters. So you're going to see these surges throughout time, the ebbs and the flows. I just think that with Luis Ortiz, I think when we talk about Luis Ortiz four years ago, I think that Luis Ortiz was not overrated. And here's why. That Luis Ortiz wasn't overrated because he didn't fight like a stereotypical Cuban. He had he had the patience and the you know the tactician's mentality that Cuban boxers so famously have. But the the dominant Cuban fighters of today over the last five six years have been miserably boring. Yeah. Um, hit and hit and not get hit experts. So I think Luis Ortiz, if if, if he was overrated at all. It was probably the opposite reason of that. It was probably because, holy shit, there's a Cuban that comes forward and fucking fights. So, you know, I think if he was ever overrated, it was because of that. I just think that there was a, a strategy played by Eddie Hearn in matchroom boxing to keep him away yeah. from Anthony Joshua before Anthony Joshua may or may not have. It's all speculation, and it's all history now at this point. Bottom line is, as it goes to the ring ratings, I honestly – I honestly could care less. It's a democratic process. So you'll see it even on ESPN's rankings where it's like, come on, Teddy Atlas, you got Leo Santa Cruz ranked eighth on your pound for pound list. Come on, dude. Yeah. Like for real. So, you know, like some guys, when it all averages out, when you do have a democratic process for a rating system that involves that many, it's not just, it's not just 20 people say voting on one guy, you're voting, to place 10 guys in an order, you could go through and I could just nitpick this thing to death and say, well, if we're talking about resumes here, Michael Hunter has a shit resume. Mm-hmm. Um, he has even a worse resume at heavyweight. He got dominated and outboxed by Alexander Usyk, who is not rated. Well, then we say, hey, well, Usyk hasn't done anything at heavyweight yet. Yeah, well, he schooled Michael Hunter at cruiserweight. And if we're talking about career resumes, which if we're going to go back in time and we have to take into consideration what guys did under a completely different context at completely different points in their career, um, then Luis Ortiz at this point in time, in my opinion, probably I wouldn't even have Michael Hunter on this list or Oscar Rivas, but I would have Luis Ortiz probably some, somewhere down there by by Adam Ganatsky, Cal Snacky, Cal Naki. <laughs> Um, you know, so <laughs> you've got, it, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can move these guys around. I think the important thing is here is that the top two are correct. Um, yes. and you know, I, I think that if Dillian white hasn't been going to his jazzercise or weight watchers classes, that the old man Pavetkin is going to give him some trouble. I mean, there is a size disadvantage in there because Pavetkin is a short heavyweight. Um, but we saw, 
you know, in Pavekin's fight against Michael Hunter, that the old man can still crack a bit. The problem is, it's just Pavekin doesn't have a chin anymore. And as long as White has the, you know, has the, um, the gas tank to be able to go some rounds with Pavekin, there's a good chance that Dillian White does stop him. But I guarantee you one thing, Dillian White comes in looking like anything like he did against, against Marius Wach. Then you got this guy ranked number two that potentially, in my opinion, regardless of what the odds say, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that Dillian White's a, a fucking surefire favorite in this fight. The odds may say it, but he hadn't shown me shit. So, and I, and again, I'm nobody, but I, you know, you can look at these rankings and you can move these guys all over the board. I mean, I'm sitting here staring at Andy Ruiz at number five, and all I see is his his boob flab on the side. You know what I mean? That's all yeah. I see. So, to me, that to me, he's that's definitely got on a pop. He's got the wrong kind of side titty. I like side titty. That's not the kind of side titty I like. That's like the <laughs> below the I, I nipple that, droopy side titty. Yeah. And that, but 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 here's the thing, Mike. I mean, this this tattoo that Andy Ruiz has, like that doesn't look like an old tattoo. It looks it looks fresh. Either that or you had it touched up. But I would have had that thing at least tatted down on that side boob a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to hide some of that shit. <laughs> Because there's that fold, there's yeah. that line. I'm looking at that same picture right now. Yeah, that line, you could use that in the tattoo. Make it a sleeve on Jesus's, you know, arms or something. Maybe that'd help him out. But, uh, dude, you guys bring up <laughs> outstanding points, though, about the ring ratings. Look, I want people out there to understand, it's fucking tough. In, in actuality, you guys are right. There's about three or four guys right now that are the top-tier heavyweights. And it's clearly, it's Fury, it's Joshua, it's Wilder. If you want to put Usyk in there, it's kind of an X factor, maybe, okay. And then there's everybody else. And it's where do you stack these guys up? Personally, I don't think Luis Ortiz belongs at number four. I think he's number nine or number ten right now. I would favor uh, Ruiz and Parker and, and even guys like Hunter and, and, and Rivas would have a chance against them uh, right now. But... You, it's so subjective. You could put these guys all over the place. I think, Kenny, you said it best. If you have the top two or three guys correct, then that's all good. And I, you guys have made great points about the Dillian White, Deontay Wilder situation. I promise you, I will take this back to the guys and let them know because uh, I value your opinion. And Mark, who called in earlier, he always has great calls and great opinions. So I'll take this stuff over to them. It is, it is hard, though, at, at times to even find 10 guys to rate because some of these divisions are so watered down and so weak. It's like, man, can we just cut this shit off at number six, number seven? Because there's really not 10 guys that I would want rated right now. That's how weak some of these divisions are. Uh, but, okay, a couple calls real quick, and then we'll wrap it up in just a minute here, guys. Uh, let me go to 570. You're on the show. If you got anything for Kenny and Vince, go. Hey, Michael. How's it going? What's up? Um, I'm going to swim back against the tide a little bit on this one. Um, I think what everybody can agree on is that when I saw the ratings, I didn't have a huge problem with it, but I thought that Ortiz was rated higher than I would have. Because my point of view on it is he's not a bad fighter by any means. But I think it's been a little bit of a situation where he's been a hype shop. Like people talk about him like he's a bogeyman and he's really not. With respect to like Dillian White, I don't have any problem with where Dillian uh, White is ranked. 
in the ring ratings just because if you look at the two names that were already previously mentioned, if you look at Revis and you look at Parker, how did White win those fights? He won them by unanimous points decisions. Nobody was standing up and saying, oh, well, it was a robbery or um, White got boxed off and he, he got away with it by a hair. He won those convincingly. If you look at Wilder's fights with Ortiz, he was losing rounds. Yeah. And in the second fight, it was practically like he was losing every round before his one-trick pony came in and saved him. So I think that's the difference between if you package that together along with the fact that White has less, less fights than Wilder, fewer fights. Um, and if you take who's decent out of who White has fought and you take who's decent out of who Wilder has fought and you use the percentages on that, it's like... If, if somebody just sat down and looked at who Wilder has fought without even have, ever having seen a fight, but if you know boxing and you sit down and you look at his record, it's like, this is WBC heavyweight champion? Like, it's just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I it's mean, not just like the guy off. By, but, you know. Look, I, I'm a fan of Deontay Wilder as a fighter. He's exciting. But if you look at how he got that belt, I mean, uh, Vitaly Klitschko is retired from 2004 to 2008. He comes back in 2008, gets that title back because he was champion emeritus, sticks around for four years, fights pretty limited opposition, and then ends up retiring, I think, in 2013 or so. And the WBC, because they had a long-standing history with Don King, basically sold that title to Don King. He represented Berman Stavern, fought for the vacant title, and he didn't even get one defense. In his first defense, they sold it right to Al Heyman, who's basically the new Don King in relation to the Suleiman exactly. family. So by exactly. I mean, and everyone then, and then, knows have, that was Vladimir Klitschko's title. It should have been, right? So yeah, I agree with you on them. all that. I, I do. But let me, let me ask Kenny and Vince here. Kenny and Vince, guys, if Dillian White, I'm not talking about fat, sloppy, I barely got by Marius Vak and look like shit Dillian White. I'm talking about the guy that beat Parker, beat Rivas, beat Chisora, motivated, in shape. If he fights Deontay Wilder right now, who do you favor to win that fight? Uh, I, would, I would favor Deontay Wilder by knockout. And I, and I say that because Dillian White, even though he beat Joseph Parker, down the stretch of that fight, if that fight had 30 more seconds on the clock in the 12th round, he went down late. Oh, I don't yeah. think he makes it out of that fight. You're he was right. dog, tired, and and barely made it to the final bell. He did. And then I go back to the yeah, yeah, and I go back to the first fight with with Derek Chisora. That was life and death for Julian White. And a lot of people think Derek Chisora won that fight and deserved to get the nod. Now he came back in the second fight and finished him in devastating fashion. But yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, you know, I know Wilder's a one trick pony and, and that's always said about him. And I, and I get it. it. It's, it's a known fact, but when your one trick pony is as seriously uh, devastating as his is, I, yeah. I, White gets, gets caught too much for me. And I, and I think eventually Deontay Wilder would land a big shot on him. I, I don't think that fight lasts very long. It would actually be an entertaining ass fight. I, I don't. I don't think it makes it past four or five rounds. You know, either one of them being stopped in the process. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's 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 hard for me to say, and and you know, to there's just so much stuff that has 
yet to be answered by Deontay Wilder. I mean, you know, if he is mentally okay, like if he's able to beat Fury um, and get some of his confidence back, then I'm, then I'm totally on board with everything that Vince just said. But if <laughs> I don't know if he's ever coming back from that. So, you know, you know, with, with Dillian White, I think, I think you do have to take into consideration the way that he looked in his last fight. Now, if we're talking about a perfect world where Deontay, where Dillian White is active and he's not 270 pounds and Deontay Wilder isn't mentally scarred, then I think you have an, I think you have an entertaining fight. And if Dillian White is slick enough, which I don't think he is slick enough to be able to maneuver his way in and, and put Deontay Wilder on his back foot, I just think that Dillian White's too damn slow to come forward. I don't think he's slick enough to go side to side on Wilder. And I think that what you have is, is a younger version of Luis Ortiz's strategy against Deontay Wilder. I think it's the same exact thing. I think he gets clipped. He absolutely gets hit too much. And honestly and truthfully, man, like I am just so fucking tired of talking about Dillian White. He to <laughs> me is, he to me is, is one of the most, I give him respect for for his his what he's done in the ring. He's a tough motherfucker. Anybody that's going to go in and and lay it on the line, especially at the heavyweight division, that's not afraid to fight whoever. I give him all of that respect. I honestly and truthfully do. I just want everybody just to fucking take Dillian White's D out of their <laughs> mouths for a second. Take a deep, deep breath, okay, before you go back in for more. And just take a look at at the situation at hand, man. I mean, let's let's let the guy, you know, have like his next fight against Pavekin and let's see if his head is still in the game himself. I mean, yeah. we're all we're all, you know, basing our opinions now off of a rating that we don't all agree on. So it's like we're we're kind of playing we're kind of playing fantasy musical chairs right now. Um, it's fun though. I mean, I like, yeah. I like doing it sometimes for sure. Sometimes five seven zero. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name, man. But go ahead and uh, get the last word on this, and then uh, we'll get to the next caller. Oh no, it's William. I'm William. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I. I mean, you know, I agree. I think like if Michael, if um, the best shot to beat Wilder is simple. Like, the game plan is there. Fury put the blueprint on display for everybody. I've been saying this for years. The way that you beat the guy is you fight him on the inside. I don't know. I know that Dillian can fight on the inside when he wants to. But he prefers to try to, like, stay on the outside and take certain shots and club you from the outside. If Dillian can fight on the inside against Wilder, he'd stand a very good chance because he has real power. The problem is anybody who knows boxing, Dillian's got really long arms and his power is generated. He telegraphs almost a lot like, like Wilder does not quite as bad with that single right hand shot, but he does telegraph with his shots. I think it takes somebody to fight him on the inside who could actually beat him. If Dillian could do that, then he would stand a decent chance but if he can't do that, and if he's stupid enough to stay in the pocket and stay at range and let Wilder clip him, then, yeah, I think there's a very decent chance that he could get knocked out. But that's why I've always thought that in a fight between AJ 
and Wilder, AJ would win because for a man of AJ's size, AJ, AJ loves to come in, pressure you, get on the inside. You saw the uppercuts that Fury caught Wilder with in that second fight that pressed him back. Can you imagine what it would be like if AJ caught Wilder with one of his uppercuts, which I happen to think, and people could laugh at me for this, but I think it's true. I think AJ has one of the absolute best uppercuts that we've seen since Mike Tyson. I think he's watched those fights and he's tried to perfect. I wouldn't. That. I wouldn't say it's better than Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis had a great no, yeah, no, uppercut. yeah, Len- yeah, Len- he did. And Lennox is Lennox is my hero, um, as far as like heavyweight boxing goes in my lifetime. But if you put AJ in there with Wilder and he catches him with one of those uppercuts on the inside. I think that's, that's just, that's lights out. I guess fantasy got stopped by Fury. I think it would be, I think it'd be out cold. So yeah, I think that um, it would be a toss up between uh, Wilder and White. Um, but that depends on what White brings as far as a game plan. I think if AJ goes in against Wilder, assuming that Wilder gets past Fury in the in the rubber match, I'm tired of people calling it a rematch because we already had yeah, it. I don't know why everyone goes in against. <laughs> yeah, he goes in against him in the rubber match, and somehow Wilder manages to get past him, which I don't know how he's going to do because Fury already knows. That's what he does. Every he uses the stretch shortening cycle to land that right hand. So he'll wait for you to be at range, and then he'll step in with his left foot, and then he'll cock it again, and then boom, comes in. And you can see that from a mile away. And Fury saw that in the first fight and more so in the second fight. But if it does happen, if, uh, if somehow Wilder manages to land something in the, in the rubber match, um, and then I don't even, I'm not even sure that we'll get a fight between AJ and Wilder, even if Wilder does win. Because I think that the people around Wilder are smart enough this is one of the reasons they kept him away from Klitschko, from Vladimir Klitschko. I think they're smart enough to realize that that's a losing bet. So I think the only way, if Wilder gets past Fury in the rubber match, that we'll see a fight between AJ and Wilder is if the people around Wilder have realized, okay, he's lost one fight, came back, it's time to cash out because we really don't have too much more to play with this. The guy is going to be 35, 36 years old. It's, the, 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 the clock is running out. But I think if they do see each other in the ring, I would definitely give the advantage to AJ. Because, again, the way that you beat Wilder is by pressuring him and coming to the inside. Because if he doesn't have that mid-range distance and he can't cock back that shot, then he doesn't have a shot. He's not going to outpoint somebody like AJ did against Ruiz. He doesn't have that ability. And that's not a knock on him as far as character or his person, it's just true. He doesn't have that acumen. Yeah, I think he's set in his ways. I mean, look, I I agree with a lot of your points. I don't agree with all of them. But first of all, if White, who I know Kenny's done talking about him, I'm just going to say this. (laughs) If White and Wilder fought right now, I would slightly favor Wilder. But I do think White could give him trouble. I think that even a guy like Alexander Povetkin who had a couple of good rounds against AJ early on, has a style that could possibly give Wilder trouble. I would favor Wilder in those fights. Uh, as far as Wilder against AJ, 
AJ in the rematch against Andy Ruiz proved that he could win in different ways. Deontay Wilder has not been able to do that yet. However, it's possible he could show us something in the rubber match with Fury. It's unlikely, but it's possible. And maybe he has an extra wrinkle to his game that we haven't seen yet. Maybe there was something going on and he wasn't 100%. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Of course, I favor Fury heavily. But, uh, William, I appreciate the call, man. We're going to jump to the next one, bro. Thanks for the call. Um, But, yeah, I I think that uh, you'd have to favor AJ right now in a fight against Deontay Wilder. A lot, Kenny, Vince, I want to ask you guys, because a a lot of people talk about AJ's chin. He has a weak chin. And I know he's been hurt a couple times. Obviously, he was stopped by uh, Ruiz. But... This glass chin shit, is this not overrated? They said the same thing about Klitschko, and he didn't lose for a fucking decade. They said the same thing about Lennox Lewis, and now he is seen as one of the all-time great heavyweights. I don't know. To me, AJ's chin it isn't glass. Is it the same chin that Vitaly Klitschko had and, and Oliver McCall and guys like that? No. But is it glass? I, I don't think so. I think he deserves better than that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the heavyweight division. You're, you know, a big shot from any of these guys. It, yeah. it doesn't take a glass. It doesn't take a glass chin to get knocked down. If you get caught by a big man on the right spot by a big punch, guess what? It's probably going to be night night time for you. Exactly. I mean, that's just that's the that's the reality of the heavyweight division. So the chin talk at, at in the heavyweight division to me is there's just it gets it gets overdone a little bit. Uh, you know. <laughs> All of these guys we've seen get hurt. And I think, you know, throughout this entire discussion, and I think what you could kind of kind of wrap this up in is the heavyweight division is just it's it's full of parity. Yes, Tyson Fury is the best right now, but that can change at any moment by one punch from Deontay Wilder in the third fight. It could change by one punch from AJ if they fought and, and all of these fighters across the board. That's kind of what makes the the heavyweight division intriguing right now is there's just parity across the board anything can happen we've seen it over the last two years i mean for christ's sakes that andy ruiz uh stoppage of of aj was the i i I don't think anybody was predicting that if they did it was crazy congratulations to him i mean you probably hopefully you put some money on it and, (laughs) and, and and you cashed in but yeah, that's the heavyweight division right now. It's just that that's what it is. There's there's fucking parity across the board. So that's what makes it intriguing. Uh, and when the heavyweight division is intriguing, you know, it's, it's better for the sport. I think that's been like the, you know, like the moral of the story about what what we talk about on our show. Um, you know, with the heavyweight division, it's not it's not the greatest of all time. It's not one of the greatest eras of all time. It's definitely not the worst of all time. But what makes this era what it is, and we're, in, we're only in the middle of it right now, guys. I mean, right. you know, that's the truth of the matter, is exactly what Vince said, is that it's not about AJ's chin. That I think, I, I, yeah, I think the, the whole glass jaw thing is, is completely, completely overrated. Any of these guys on their best day can beat one another. I think that that's, you know, I think Tyson, Tyson Fury kind of, putting it all together for one fight finally. Um, you know, like he exploited he exploited age and style against Klitschko. Um, 
you know, he more, more to me, it was more style than age. Like I said earlier, you know, in this conversation or whatever, I think he finally put it all together and it makes you question whether any of these guys can beat him, but he's still beatable. He's looked like dog shit on nights and all of these guys are vulnerable in all their own ways. They all bring something unique to the ring that on any given night they could beat one another. And you know what? When you can go round robin in the heavyweight division and flip a coin, that's when you know you got something entertaining to watch. It, it, who cares at the end of the day if it's the if it's one of the greatest eras in the history of boxing? We'll remember it though because this, you know, it really is. It's a it's a giant coin flip. And I think that as long as these guys um you know, continue to seek one another out. And I think that you got a bunch of guys that um, that have the bravado, have the balls, you know, as long as you keep Joseph Parker away from the cocaine and keep him away from Tyson Fury while he's <laughs> near the cocaine. Yeah, bad influence. You know, I think yeah. that he's, you know, I think that he's relevant. Um, you know, all these guys can do something, man. I think that, uh, you know, I know we have, have really harped on, um, you know, the guys at the, at the very top, but I don't think it gets enough due. Um, and I'm just going to keep saying it. Everybody keeps saying, oh, I can't wait to see Alexander Usyk get chin-checked. I can't wait to see him get chin-checked. Derek Chisora is going to be the guy to chin-check him. I don't know if you guys saw the the face-off at the press conference. Alexander Usyk is the bigger man. He's not the fatter man. He's not the more rotund man. He's not the rounder man. He's the bigger man. And he's two inches taller and has a four-inch reach advantage, and can probably he could probably run the 40-yard dash against Chisora and go back and forth three times before Chisora was halfway done with one time down. Okay? Yeah. So, like, like everybody that keeps saying that, oh, there's got to be a chin check, like, everybody keeps saying that, yeah, okay, is, is Alexander Usyk not 6'7", like Wilder? Yes, of course. But he also doesn't have Bambi legs like Wilder. Right. Both of Wilder's legs combined are as big as one of one of Usyk's legs. And again, Usyk's the, the better athlete. Anthony Joshua looks like the Adonis. He's chiseled from marble. He if you were to build a if you were to build a heavyweight on an EA sports fighting game, he would be the physique. Now I'd give him some other people's skills, but you know, he brings his own skills to the table as well. You know, all of these guys, yes, they they, they are bigger. They are uh, these are giant heavyweights, uh, super heavyweights, as they call them in the Olympics, right? But with a guy like Tyson Fury, just to kind of, you know, bring this full circle on my thought here with, with Usyk becoming a player in this game with all these guys, is Tyson Fury has been slick and has been the slicker fighter against the guys that he's fought. I think what gets lost in this is that there's an automatic erasing of the data banks and memory banks of a guy in Alexander Usyk that when he fought in the ring on fight night was 215 pounds, okay, as a cruiserweight. Um, and against those smaller guys, those better athletes, he was by far the superior athlete against every man he fought at a smaller division against better athletes. Mm-hmm. Now, if he was able to get pinned down by Tyson Fury, this 270 270- pound six foot nine Tyson Fury yeah Tyson Fury would beat the shit out of him there's no doubt about that but what we didn't see this version of Tyson Fury do against Deontay Wilder in the last fight because he did not have to do it what happens when Tyson Fury has to chase somebody else around the ring because I don't care how fleet of foot he's looked against these big some some of them uncoordinated 
heavyweights. Alexander Usyk is not that. Alexander Usyk has better feet, and he's a faster athlete than Tyson Fury. So I would like to see the 275-pound champion, ring champion, WBC champion, best heavyweight in the world, go the distance with Alexander Usyk and not be gasping for air by the end of it. Maybe he pins him down and beats the shit out of him. I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, everybody keep on saying, oh, I can't wait to see Usyk gets chin-checked. And if he does get chin-checked and he gets flattened on the mat, I'll be the first person to come out and y'all can fucking boo cocky all over my face, okay? <laughs> all of you can. But I'm telling you right now, there's a new day on the horizon, folks, and he's coming for you. Well, Kenny, all right, man. You're on the record. I'll say both of you guys, I think, summed it up great because the last era was chess players. These guys from Eastern Europe, some of them spoke English, most of them didn't. Uh, they were chess players first, brawlers second. They were athletes first, sportsmen first, fighters second. And there was one dominant guy at the top who was a tactical, technical type of fighter, a thinking fighter who didn't take risks because when he did, it exposed his vulnerabilities, right? And it was impressive if you're a savant and, you know, you're a purist and you're into that kind of thing. But it wasn't necessarily scintillating TV. Klitschko was like a, a heavyweight version of Floyd Mayweather or Bernard Hopkins in certain ways. Not exactly, but in certain ways. And those guys weren't exactly exciting fighters to watch. In this division, there is no clear dominant guy that is so technically superior to everybody that and without any vulnerabilities that uh, you just you don't know. Who's going to win any given night? So I'm with you. That's part of what makes this division so fun. And I really hope that Alexander Usyk can get involved in a big way in the division because I think that will be great for the division as well. We got this three-headed monster right now. I want to see an addition to it. I want to see another guy, Daniel Dubois. I He should beat Joe Joyce. I think that if he wins that fight, look, he's still super young, but I'm really high on him. He's my favorite prospect right now. In the next couple of years, maybe he's the heir apparent that can take over. We need that new generation coming up. But if this three-headed monster and then you got Usyk coming in, if they all fight each other, we're going to be in a good place. We don't need the fucking hyperbole from Joe Tessitor or Max Kuckerman. We don't need the hyperbole from those guys. We don't need them sucking off any of these fighters, just let them fight because the fights speak for themselves. You guys said it best, man. When Andy Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua, that was fucking nuts. What we just saw a couple weeks ago, the way Tyson Fury beat Wilder, no one expected that. That was fucking nuts, right? Uh, so, so we don't need all the hyperbole. We don't need to compare these guys to all the all-time greats. Just enjoy the fucking fights. I think that is going to be the theme and the lesson from this chat. It took us an hour and a half to get there, but I think we're all in agreement on that, correct? Uh, th that is the theme and the moral of the story here. Stop trying to make this the best or the worst heavyweight era ever and just enjoy the fucking fights. Let's get to one last call here, guys, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, 601, let me uh, patch you in. 601, you are on the show. Go. Hey, Mike, it's Joel. How you doing, brother? Joel, what's up, man? Oh, not much. I'm, I'm exhausted, but in my defense, I did have to carry a 40-pound air-conditioned compressor today. Oh, shit. So uh, that, that's, my, uh, that's my one dig at Deontay Wilder. All right, man. Well, look, um, I, didn't, I didn't tamper with nobody's gloves, so don't even go there, all right? 
Um, you guys kind of touched on my point a little bit. But, what you got? You know, especially with uh, Tessator doing the, hey, this is a potential rebirth of the heavyweight division. I, I think one of the things that really separates, I guess, the 70s and the 90s, which is kind of the two real golden ages, is we had a, a, a top tier, but the second tier fighters were so good. Right. I mean, in the 70s, you had Jerry Corey, you had Ed Norton, you had Norton, you had, you know, all those great names. In the 90s, you had Ray Mercer, you had Tommy Morrison, you had David Stewart. Um, and in this era, while we do kind of have a, a decent, a, you know, three-headed monster, and I think, I agree with Kenny and Vince, I think Usyk is going to seriously make waves in the division. The the next tier, there's just such a drop-off in in talent. I mean, we you know, we saw it with... I'll go ahead and call him Cal Snacky because he was kind of like me um, last week when he when he got beat up and you know, when he lost. But there's just such a drop off in talent, but at the same time, such a push to try and make them into something that they're not because they're clearly not that that second tier. I mean, you take the second tier from the '70s to the '90s and put them in this era, and they're going to eat most of these people alive. Yeah, and that sounds like the get-off-my-lawn, old-man talk, but it is true to a degree if you just look at, if you were around, I think a lot of the young guys are like, okay, shut up, boomer, and all that bullshit, even though none of us on the phone are boomers, but I've had uh, people say that to me on Twitter, but the truth is, if you saw those fights and you grew up in those eras, especially, let's just stick with the 90s, yeah, man, that's, that's second tier, those guys were fucking solid, and Right now, Cal Snacky looks good in some fights, and then Cal Snacky looks like Cal Snacky. And Andy Ruiz has a, a moment of brilliance, and then he goes back to being a fat, lethargic fuck. So, so there's just this inconsistency with that second tier. So I'm with you, Joel. But at the same time, we are getting exciting fights, and these guys are fighting each other. So I think it's overall a positive, right? I mean, it's a good time to be a heavyweight boxing fan. Oh yeah, I think it's a great time, but I, I th- and and I guess that I mean to try and make it relevant is why they do that push. But to reiterate what you guys did, let this let this era stand on its own and let the people fight. Don't try and go. Oh, this is the '90s all over again because it's not. Right. I mean, it's it's extremely exciting. We're getting good fights. People are fighting each other, which is great. But I mean, it kind of that wish casting to make it something, you know, that that everybody kind of looks at with rose colored glasses. I think does a disservice to the fighters that we have right now because they're not necessarily going to be able to hold up to the standard of the seventies or the nineties. That's certainly not the nineties. I mean, I'm, I'm about to be 38. So I mean, that's, that's what I grew up watching. So, and to me, there's, there's not really a comparability between the two, but that doesn't mean this era isn't hell, you know, ridiculously fun to watch. Exactly. I mean, I was entertained by Kel snacky Hellenius, you know, I, I didn't think that would be an entertaining fight. And here it was, it was this, you know, knockout, upset special. Like, that shit was fun. And we're getting that stuff pretty regularly. Now, we're also getting Charles Martin and Gerald Washington, you know, on a fucking pay-per-view. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. But, uh, Joe, I appreciate yeah, but, but it, Charles walks, walks the earth like a god. So, you know, he's got, he's got to be out. <laughs> yeah, you know, we all should bow down to the god. You know, uh, we cannot possibly comprehend what that man is thinking. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joel, uh, I'm going to let you go, brother, but thanks, man. And uh, say hi to the old lady for me. I hope you guys have a good weekend, bro. Will do. You guys take care. All right, man. 
All right. So, uh, Kenny, Vince, let's wrap it up. Uh, give some final thoughts. And then, um, look, I think that our audiences are pr- probably pretty much crossover. I would assume most of my subscribers subscribe to your channel and vice versa. But just in case, uh, let everybody know where they can find your stuff and follow you and all that. Can well, I let we're you on... up? Huh? <laughs> so I'll let you take that one, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the technical guru of the boxing rant. Um, our IP address is at http. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you can you can find us uh, on all the social media platforms um, at the boxing rant, and that's T H E. Uh, we use proper grammar at the boxing rant. Um, that's on uh, Facebook. Credit. In- <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. Um, and of course, Twitter, and you can follow Vince and I both on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. Drop by our, our, uh, our website, boxingpod.com. Um, there you can find all of the links to all the platforms that our show's on. Everybody here's on YouTube. If you haven't been over to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel, go check it out. We put a full length video, um, to our podcast, which we record weekly. Um, yeah, and we're right in the middle of it, man, mucking it up. So uh, we appreciate all of you tuning in. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, this this was fucking great. We'll have to do this again, man. Uh, hopefully next time I won't have stitches in my mouth and sound like, uh, what's, what's the guy, uh, Corky from Life Goes On? So uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Uh, better that I did that at the end of the show and not the beginning. But, yeah, uh, guys, thank you so much, man. And uh, we'll do it again. Have a great weekend, all right? All right. Thanks for having us, brother. Really appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. So Kenny Keith and Vince Cummings of The Boxing Rant. Those guys are awesome. Um, I don't watch many boxing podcasts, but – uh, those guys, I catch them every week. So for those of you who uh, I would imagine most of you guys watching my show, you probably already listen to those guys. If you don't, make sure you check them out. The Boxing Rant, not T-H-A, T-H-E, The Boxing Rant. Make sure you guys check them out. But uh, great show. Thank you to the Super Chats that I had, uh, a few Super Chats, and to the other calls that we had. Uh, some great calls tonight, man. Great show. Awesome show. I'm going to go take some painkillers and uh, ice my uh, my mouth. For those of you who didn't hear at the top of the show, I had some dental work earlier. Again, here's my uh, <laughs> scar where they put an IV, stuck an IV in me. They had to knock me out for a few minutes and do some work. I actually had a, uh, a mouthpiece break and cut my tongue. So I had to get a few stitches on my tongue. That's never fun. Anyway, uh, have a great weekend, guys. Wash your damn hands. Don't touch your eyes nose and uh, face don't just don't touch your face at all if you go out in public okay wash your hands and don't touch your face if you go in public if you go to the gym hand sanitize the hell out of everything after every damn piece of equipment you put your hands on okay be safe this corona shit it's crazy everything's fucking canceled so i thought this would be a fun show to do if you guys enjoyed this let me know in the comments section if you'd like to see more of this kind of stuff Now that I got the studio set up, I can do this. So if you have ideas for other types of shows like this that you'd like to see, uh, like I said, drop a comment on the YouTube or DM me, uh, whatever, uh, tweet me, whatever. Let me know what ideas you guys have, what subjects you'd like discussed, what guests you'd like brought on. Would you like to see some debates? 
With Kenny and Vince, we see a lot of things the same way. Those guys, you know, see things very, very similar to the way I see it. We don't agree 100% on everything, but we sure as hell agree on most of it. Is there anybody out there you'd like me to debate on a particular subject? And really, really talk to a couple guys that have a completely opposite viewpoint from my own. That would be fun, huh? If you have any ideas, let me know, okay? Uh, USC Trojan. I, yeah, I know who you are, bro. Uh, he says, bring on ringside Robbie. That would be fun. Uh, Piglet says, uh, debate Fred. Look, I'm not talking to that fucking idiot, okay? He's an absolute fraud and a piece of fucking human garbage. So I'm just not going to talk to that guy. I want to talk to some, look, I'll talk to someone that, I actually disagree with things, but in an objective, logical, adult way. Not a piece of fucking shit like him. Uh, let's see. USC Trojan Zone says, bring on T-Street. I'd love to talk. T-Street's awesome, man. The thing is, me and him agree on most stuff. So it'd be if you guys would like to see that, hell yeah. I'd do a chat with T-Street because uh, T-Street's pretty awesome, man. But again, it'd pretty much be us agreeing on everything because I think me and him see things the same way as well. But uh, all right, guys, uh, I'm going to bounce off of here. We'd be going for almost two hours. Awesome freaking show. And uh, we'll do it again. Guys, have a great, great weekend. All right? I'll see you at the fights.